This is a presentation of Dawn Forge Productions. You're listening to Shattered Soulstone, the BlizzCon edition. You have quite a treasure there in that Horodric cube. From the far reaches and burning depths of sanctuary comes Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo podcast. It's beginning to feel like some great evil is permeating the air around here. Now, your hosts, Nevik, Breja, and Jen. Stay a while and listen. Welcome to episode number two of the Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo podcast. I am your host, Nevik, and I'm joined by my two co-joeys, Breja and Jen, in the proverbial Dawnforge pouch. How are you today, Breja? I'm doing great, thanks. Just got a little bit of snow to deal with that just decided to come. So we're enjoying a white Halloween. A white Halloween. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> Little kids with costumes with coats thrown over them. Aw, sad. Yeah. And Jen, how is your neck of the coast treating you? It's nice and sunny and warm over here. I'm enjoying it. Yep. Gotta love living in California. Absolutely. So, let's get on to the show. Let's let's not delay. Let's not dilly-dally. We actually did get some community feedback, or I should say emails. We got two of them in particular. So, uh, Jen, do you want to read the first one? I can do that, sure. The first one is from MacGyver, and he writes, Hey guys, it's MacGyver. Hope you are well. I can remember the first time I picked up and played the original Diablo. I loved sword and sorcery, and up until that time, there wasn't anything on the PC that appealed to me until I saw this. The feature that most sucked me in, the randomized dungeon creator. Every time I started a new character or a new game, it was truly new, with a different dungeon layout to explore and all newcomers to be surprised by the 100 skeletons they concealed. Even years later when I started WoW, I remember picking up my first green item, a Nouns Item of Verbing, and thinking, huh, they use the same item naming convention as Diablo. Even to this day, I keep the original Diablo soundtrack, and have fond memories of my time's dungeon crawling when I hear those pieces of music. Take care, guys, and all success with the show. And that was from MacGyver. Thank you, MacGyver. The music from Diablo is definitely one of the iconic things, and... We'll touch upon this a little bit later in the show, but there was an interview with Russell Brower in regards to uh, the opening theme of Diablo 3, how he wanted to make sure that that iconic guitar riff from Diablo 2, you know, was, I wouldn't say present, but, you know, alluded to. That it kept the, it like kind of kept the flavor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. That, that's that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm. I can't wait to hear the soundtrack for Diablo Three, based on that interview because it it should be really awesome. Breja, do you have anything to add? Oh no, I'm just you know thinking. I was reading um, a little bit about that as well and how they wanted to bridge the gap between Diablo One and Two and Diablo Three, um, as they really brought the whole game back in house rather than leaving it with a 
um, a subsidiary of Blizzard, but actually in Blizzard itself. And uh, they really have done a great job of maintaining that universe of Diablo, not only in what you're going to visually see, play, but also how, how you're going to hear it. And even just make it better than it was. And it's just, I'm looking forward to seeing and actually listening to all this as well. So that was a great point by MacGyver. I have to mention that I actually went out and reserved my Diablo 3 Collector's Edition today. Good man. I would love to get that. We're still kind of in debt from the uh, recent trip I took to Chicago. But um, yeah, totally want the uh, Collector's Edition. Yeah, I just put $10 down. I'll eventually prepay it before the game comes out. Just wanted to make sure that the Collector's Edition was, was reserved and accounted for. Just to be safe. Yeah, just to be safe, because even though it's Diablo 3, a lot of retailers may not carry as many copies of it because of just the whole fact that it's a PC game. That's true. And it's the third version of a game that hasn't been out in like 10 years, so I think people that, you know, unlike us, that are not familiar with the game might be like, well, it's an older game, eh, you know. <laughs> you have a good point there. And I will read the second email that we got from Haster. It says... I got into the beta, and I have to say, well, first of all, I want to say, we're jealous of you, Hester. Totally. Amen. <laughs> yeah, we all got about this far and went, oh, you're in the beta? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really wanted to get into the beta really bad, but that's neither here nor there. So let me continue. He continues on to say, and I have to say that I've played it, I've played like the first two-ish mini-quest dungeons, approximately one hour, as a monk. I have to say that I played the first Diablo and not really understood it. Now that I'm kind of involved in the Blizzard Entertainment, uh, he's played a few other games. Um, for example, he listed NCSoft's Dungeon Runners. And I can appreciate the quality of Diablo 3. Definitely going to be one that I consider really purchasing once the game comes out. And depending on the freebies, they include perhaps the Collector's Edition. Best of luck on your new podcast. Haster. Well, I think uh, from the sound of that letter from Haster, he um, sent this over to us before BlizzCon, because I'm sure that after he's taken a look at what they have in the Collector's Edition, he's definitely going to be picking this up. And speaking of the Collector's Edition, this will touch upon some of the BlizzCon news. Uh, I have to say that my jaw dropped during the opening ceremony at BlizzCon when Mike Morheim was up there, and he's like, well, you know what? We don't want you to have to make that hard decision between which Blizzard RPG you want to play, you know, next year. So, how about this? If you subscribe to WoW, you get Diablo 3 for free. I was like, what? No way. Yeah, I think everybody was pretty shocked at that. Oh, nobody saw that coming. Totally unexpected. I was shocked. I mean, it. I was stunned. That's how shocked I was. And then, then I thought, oh, well, you know, I'm going to be getting the Collector's Edition anyway, so I guess it doesn't really matter to me. But then I, I looked at that fact, and in there they say if you do buy the Collector's Edition on, and you apply that code... For the annual pass thing? Yeah, well, you apply the uh, serial code, or... Uh, oh my goodness, I can't even think of what, what the proper term... So you're trying to say... <laughs> You're trying to say the code that comes in with the game that yes. lets Blizzard know that you have purchased a game and connects it to your Battle.net account. Yes, that, the that, serial That number. little code. Yeah. Yes, whatever it is. Anyways, I'm just totally failing today, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, you apply that to your 
Battle.net account that has the WoW annual pass and they will compensate you four months of WoW time or consider your purchase of the collector's edition as four months against your 12-month commitment to paying for World of Warcraft. So I was like, okay, well, there we go. Oh, I think a lot of people said that too. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no-brainer, all right. Oh, it's absolutely a brilliant move by them too, whether it was directly Mike Morheim that came up with that or probably the marketing department or someone. But the fact is, what other game company out there can actually sit there and say, okay, well, you've been a loyal subscriber to one of our products for time. If you want to continue doing that for the next full year, we're going to give you a brand new game for free. I, that it just nobody that's, expected yeah, this. Yeah, that's unheard of. Exactly, and the fact that they had all of this set up as soon as he said it, minutes later, it was up on the website. And the fact that nobody said or did anything about that, alluding to this before BlizzCon, I have to say they have done a fantastic job of just clamping down on this type of information that nobody was going to expect. So no other companies can kind of counter that right away. Their biggest competitor is going to be the Old Republic going into next year. Right, right. Blizzard, they're, they're smart, you, you know. They, they realize that their core demographic for World of Warcraft is also going to be quite interested in the Old Republic, so they figure, well, they may also be Diablo players, so how about we throw this little carrot out there and ensure that we get, you know, a year's worth of subscribers... That way our numbers don't take a big hit, you know, in December when a lot of people decide, all right, I'm done with WoW for now, I'm going to go play The Old Republic since Diablo 3 isn't going to be out until sometime next year. And speaking of that, I, I know, Bracia, you, you had the the BlizzCon DirecTV feed or the um, mm -hmm. online feed. Jen, you got a chance to watch it as well after, yeah. after you got back. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do you share the feeling that Diablo 3 might actually not make it in the first quarter? I mean, they're, they're still talking about a lot of, like, theories that, that they're working on. And yeah, they did say um, that they've changed some things between what you see in the beta and what they're planning on doing for the released version of the game. They've mm -hmm. already made some changes, so I don't know. It does sound like there could be some more work going on before they are ready to release it, and... I don't know. I don't know if they're going to make it in like a couple months time to get that, you know, shipped and gone and ready, yeah. you know, for people to to start playing. I I hope they send it out as soon as possible, but I also want it to be as complete and functional as possible when it hits, you know. The way that Jay Wilson was talking about um, you know, some of their core mechanics in the game and the whole fact that a lot of beta players were playing with their spellbook open so that they could swap spells on the fly and how they're going to try a couple different things makes me think that January might might be pushing it now. I mean, in February, maybe, but March, my, my gut is now telling me probably March. Yeah, that's what my thought was originally when we mentioned this in the first episode. Um, I thought, just by that one thing alone, how they had... They had not really planned on uh, what players could do dynamically in the world while switching talents and specs around. I think that was something that I was going to have to spend some time working on. And that's why I was thinking, generally when you say 
uh, like a business and you don't have a specific time you say okay we want to get it done in the first quarter your plan is somewhere in the middle to the end of the first of that quarter and if you can get it out early great if not well you still have till the end of that quarter before you have to come back to people and say well it didn't quite so they want to try to stretch and give themselves as much time as possible to get all the pieces put together correctly he was also talking about how they were thinking about you know allowing you to swap spells while out of combat and right. that that's a very wow-esque thing and he, he even brought that up he was like that's a very you know like and wow you're in combat or you're not and it's you know very clear whether you are or not mm-hmm. but in diablo you know you could be it could be anywhere <laughs> Yeah, you, you could be in combat for quite a while right. if you aggro a big group of mobs, and it's just that whole, like, whether they were going to allow you to change it out of combat, or only in town, or if there was going to be, you know, some kind of reagent that you're going to have to use in order to swap your spells, or whatever. So that that made me think, you know, they're, they're still in R&D phase, so if they were in production, now they're back to, you know, square one on that. And that, that could take at least a month's development time, but just there. And then, then they would have to push it to the beta servers and test that. And Yeah, yeah it's I, not ready. My initial hope of late January is now. I, I, I'm not holding my breath for that. Yeah, that would make sense, you know. Um, I think the thing was that they didn't expect players to open up that little window and start changing stats in the middle of a battle. Yeah. You know, I think that's got to be something that they saw in the beta and went, oh, well, do we want that? And obviously they don't. Um, somebody in one of those panels said something about that they want you to, you know, to make a build for your character and then commit to it. Mm-hmm. And to feel like, you know, this is what I want to do and not just be like, well, I'll do this for now. And now I'm going to switch it over here to this. And now I'm going to switch it back to that. And kind of, you know, they want it more static. Right. So taking the ability to just change it while you're in battle away would... You know, you'd have to make some decisions before you got into battle. I can see where they're doing that, but I can't imagine how long it's going to take to work that all out. Brazier, what, what's your hunch on the direction that they would end up going? I think when you're taking a look at Diablo and versus like a UI and how they have that set up, it is not the same as what you see in most um, MMOs. Like you have a set of maybe 12 keys that you might use for 12 different spells. Diablo is a very simple game that uses only mouse clicks and maybe a couple buttons for quick drinks of um, potions, but basically they want to limit it to maybe two or three special moves so that it's easy to control with the mouse clicks, and I think that's why they're talking about, you know, like maybe you go back to town and you switch up some things and try that build out, see how that works, and then go back into the world and fight with those. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, well maybe go back, or if you're out of combat, switch it sounds like what they're talking about they have like what 2.7 trillion combination or billion combinations of specs that you can be with those characters those five heroes right that is an awful lot which means they don't want you they don't expect you to use your full arsenal every single time you're out there yeah i think it was um in conjunction in conjunction with uh, all the different skills mm-hmm. plus how all the different runes affect those skills that, that's where they got that insanely absurd, you know, potential combinations. Actually, this this brings up something that really got me excited when I was, uh, I finally got a chance to watch the, um, I'm trying to remember, I think it was just the Diablo 3 
gameplay um, panel the during the first day of BlizzCon, and I was watching it, and they want a lot of viable builds, and they want them to be viable in Inferno. You're going to have your best, you know, your best builds, but they want, you know, those crazy builds to be viable, and that's what got me super excited, especially when they were talking about a melee sorceress, or melee wizard in uh, Inferno, and they showed that video of, of a wizard soloing in, in Inferno as a melee wizard. I was like, that's awesome, because... That sounds like what you've been looking for, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. in Diablo 2, I mean, you could you could go off the beaten track and do those absurd builds like a singing barb, but they weren't viable solo in anything past Nightmare. Or, well, I guess the singing barb wasn't pa- wasn't viable past Nightmare. So now you can build one of those and take it all the way through. Yep. Now, some of the other things that I noticed was, like, they had a build of... Um, a demon hunter who basically was just using a spear or almost like a... I think it was like a kind of a spear. They talked about a demon hunter using an axe, mm-hmm. you know, instead of like a crossbow or something and, and having that be a viable build that you could do, which I don't think I want to do because I really like the idea of the crossbows, you know, two of those. That sounds cool. But you could do it with an axe if you wanted to. And they had, like, the witch doctor with the uh, poison and, like, corpse explosion type effect like the necromancer had. So, I mean, they they really have put a lot of effort into making even the play style of the characters as unique as possible and as random as almost the world itself, which, you know, it's going to just get everybody continually wanting to come back and play because it's not going to be, okay, you get a barbarian and this is all you can do, or you get a monk and all you do is punch people in the face. So it's a special moves that really um, can help define your play style in the world. Yeah, it fits much better having the randomization with the character with the player characters, considering all of that, and considering just, you know, it's, it's so different from WoW. I mean, I think we're going to get, because of the um, annual pass thing, um, we're going to get a lot of people who have played WoW for years and have never played Diablo come in and just be blown away by how different mm-hmm. you know, the mechanics are. You know, you can't just farm a certain area until the boss drops that piece that you need for your, you know, your tier set in Diablo. It's just different. So I like that they're keeping the randomization in the characters you can build. It fits. I also really like the fact that Inferno, they want every every unique and elite monster to have the exact same chance to drop the best equipment in the game as a boss that way, we don't have Mephisto runs, you know. Right, exactly. Or Bale runs, you know, because that that really did get monotonous and not all that fun. It just felt like you're, you know, oh, well, time for me to do another Mephisto run and be done in ten minutes, and you'd be like, okay, all right, create a new game, let's do it again, because he didn't he didn't drop what I needed. Right, and when you go in for your, you know, run. It won't, you know, it'll be different. It won't be exactly the same. Like now, you can with World of Warcraft, you can learn a battle. You can go and see this is what's going to happen first, and this is where the mobs are, and things like that. But if it's random in Diablo, it'll always have that like, oh my god, I'm going to die excitement to every battle. You know, it won't get old. Oh, and that reminds me, another really exciting facet that came out of BlizzCon news was just that. Um, not just the environments are randomized, but the actual set pieces that have, like, pieces of lore and story and, you know, events 
are randomized as well. So you could go, you could jump into a game and, you know, not encounter something, and then your next game you'd be like, oh wow, this is cool, and completely new and different. And I was like, alright, that, yep, they they get it. They really do get it. They they want to hook us and have us not play anything else ever again. That's why I just think, you know, kind of going back to the WoW annual pass, that it was a, a genius marketing plan because you're going to have so many people who say, you know what, I'm going to play WoW anyways, and now I'm going to get this game, and they're going to get hooked on the whole Diablo franchise as well, and then who knows what happens from there, like what else they use for marketing and what else they add to the game, and plus we're talking expansion uh, for Diablo 3 sometime in the future that most of these people are going to be like, well, you know, I enjoy playing Diablo 3. I'm going to buy that now. And that helped to, for Blizzard's revenue as well. And what I got from all the panels, uh, just in general, was the fact of how much work they put into the smallest detail to making it as random as possible um, to help generate and foster that Diablo 3 randomization that you're talking about with the, just the characters or the monsters or the zone up to the sound even it's just phenomenal what they've done and I don't think any of us realized until we saw some of these things in BlizzCon this last weekend how much work they put into it yeah I, I also love how they felt the need to address how a lot of the beta testers are complaining that Act 1 which is the only thing that's open in in the beta right now how it is too easy because this is too easy. It's like, do you remember Diablo 2, you know, walking out into that field and you could walk by a zombie and maybe he might attack you, maybe he wouldn't? <laughs> yeah, the monsters weren't very smart back then. <laughs> they even had a video of it. They were like, you know, maybe you're just looking through it through rose-tinted glasses, but here's exactly how it was in Diablo 2. Just, just to drive their point home, you know? And then they had uh, their actual um, developers and in-house testers give their testimonials about how difficult things get in Nightmare and Hell. And I don't even think they addressed Inferno in that in that little testimonial video. They probably didn't have to. I mean, they've gotten the point across that it's much tougher than what you're seeing in the beta and you know what the previous games were like. But I think a lot of you know my impression of watching some of the people that were asking questions on the Diablo panels for BlizzCon was that there were a lot of people that got in line that feel that they are like the most elite gamer ever in Diablo and they just they have it in their heads that they're going to beat the game in a short span of time and they want to know what's next. Mm -hmm. The game's not even out you know and I don't know it's kind of obnoxious to think oh I'm going to beat this game like really short and you people need to make it tougher and you haven't even tried the game yet you know. Well, you know, we will likely breeze through normal difficulty pretty quickly because it it's not meant to be the difficult end game of the game, you know. It's it's just it's just the beginning. Right. It's to get, you know, new people in and mm -hmm. to get everyone that used to play used to the new mechanics that are going on and there's going to be a lot of people that had no interest in Diablo that now are going to try it just because of the annual pass and they're not going to remember you know the mechanics because they've never done it they have to have some place to start and Jay Wilson did bring up a really I, I, I like I like the whole mentality that they're going at it there, there was a comment about the casualization of Blizzard and 
he addressed that point by saying, you know, what, what we want to do is we want to get those casual players, but by playing our games, we want them to turn into hardcore players because our games are that good. And I was like, you know what, that is, I, I never really thought of it that way, but I, I think I can blame my hardcore addiction to WoW thanks to my hardcore addiction to Diablo 2. Mm-hmm. So. It could be, yeah. Like with WoW, I'm a very casual player. I don't get a lot of time to play, and when I do, by the time I get there, I'm so like burned out or tired that I just want to do something simple. You know, so like none of my characters are level 80 or anything like that, but I've been playing since like right before Burning Crusade. The reason I started playing WoW was because I missed Diablo and I was hoping that the mechanics would match and that the game would be as creepy and all of this. So I think when Diablo comes out, that's probably when I'll go hardcore, you know? And Blizzard's still going to get money from you because. Yes, they will. <laughs> yeah. Playing their cards well. <laughs> yeah, they are. That was. That was amazing, that whole annual pass thing. It was like an infomercial, you know. But wait, there's more. You also get this for free. It just went on and on. I actually, I'm wondering how the annual pass will work with the expansions, because they're planning on two expansions at least at this point. That's what they're planning on with Diablo 3. And I just wonder if they're going to do, you know, the same thing. You know, as long as you have a annual pass and at by the time the next expansion comes out, it may you know it may just be a Battle.net annual pass instead of just a WoW because who knows Titan may be you know on the verge oh, of coming yeah. out. Yeah, we don't know about Titan. Right. So I, I could definitely see this WoW annual pass just becoming a Battle.net annual pass, and then you get everything for free. Yeah, I could and see them doing that. Their, and that would hook in all their people that play StarCraft maybe into mm-hmm. you know whatever else. Yeah, I think the RTS crowd might be might be a special case because not all RTS players are into role playing. They're you know far more action oriented. I mean, there there's probably well there's cross pollinization across the board for sure. But I, I would say a vast majority of RTS players probably aren't interested in dungeon crawlers or an MMO. But that's just a way of having Blizzard kind of cross uh, market its products through the different um, medium, which is a good idea, you know, kind of well, to get everything going. Well, they've been working on that for a while, though. Like, um, the real ID, can you talk to people playing a different game okay, mm-hmm. yet? Or, okay, I wasn't sure, because I don't know anyone that plays StarCraft, but um, you could do that now, so you could be playing one game, your friend could be playing a completely different one, and you could still talk to each other. Mm-hmm. That's kind of unheard of, too. So they've been working on this whole, like, meshing things together for a while. Yeah, and um, I was listening to uh, the World Stone Keep, which is a really good news and lore-focused Diablo mm-hmm. podcast. If anybody's listening to this, I would definitely suggest downloading that podcast as well because they're great. But um, they were mentioning how the real idea is active in the Diablo three beta, but it's just it's not hooked up yet to the uh, to the actual Battle.net servers proper. And at some point, I would imagine when Diablo 3 goes open beta, they'll probably connect the system so that, you know, if you have any real ID friends playing in the beta, they'll show up and, you know... You could ask them questions about what cool stuff they're experiencing. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun, although I'm proper, I'll probably get bothered to, hey, you know, we're going to run a five-man. You, you want to come do it? And I'll be like, hell no. <laughs> I'm playing Diablo right now. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> but at least now you can communicate it with everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I liked uh, during BlizzCon, how they kind of gave a little homage to um, how Diablo 2 opened up the whole Battle.net system to, you know, kind of the precursor to what we have now for Battle.net. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I thought that was great because maybe, you know, not en- enough people really understand the impact Diablo 2 has had on just how Blizzard runs their games now. Especially if they haven't played. Mm-hmm. You know, they wouldn't make that connection instantly. Yeah, it's actually, it's pretty amazing how many people who, you know, are WoW players that have never played Diablo. It's like, how did that happen, you know? Because... How did I mean, they miss all of that? Yeah. I, I've been a Diablo... Well, I've been a Blizzard fanboy, you know, back from Warcraft 1. And when Diablo came out, you know, it's just... Blizzard makes great games. And I I won't hide it. You know, I'm a, Di- I'm a Blizzard fanboy. So I will call them out on stuff that... When they make silly decisions, you know, like trying to push real ID to the forums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, that, obviously that didn't, didn't work. <laughs> but for the most part, there, I mean, just BlizzCon is a perfect example of who Blizzard is. You know, they're they're what they do is for us, and you know, not a whole lot of other companies out there can can say that, because we all know Activision's definitely not out for their players. They're no. they're there for their shareholders. Yeah, that's pretty clear. But ultimately, I mean, it's the players that keep your company running. Mm-hmm. It's the players that, you know, buy all the games and the expansions and everything else. So, I mean, it makes sense to do things to make them happy. What do you guys think of the Collector's Edition, how it looks, and how the box for the actual Diablo 3 game itself, the non-Collector's Edition, what do you think of those artwork? Well, I think the Collector's Edition is gorgeous. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to find an image of it right now. I know I have it somewhere, but it, yeah, it's gonna it look, look very. Good. It's gonna look great on my shelf. <laughs> yeah, I like how you know you look at Diablo three, the original, like not the original, but the um, regular edition, and you can definitely tell, hey, this is the Diablo game. This is what you know. You're looking at it, and you're looking at the face of terror. Mm-hmm. And then the collector edition doesn't have that. It's a very, it's almost like a tome of uh, knowledge in some way. A really unique looking box. And then what's inside the box that is just awesome. That reminds me, uh, the Book of Cain is actually supposed to come out. Um, when is that supposed to come out? November, I believe? I think I heard November. I'm not sure. Uh, looking at Amazon, they have it listed as December 13th. Oh, okay. Okay. And right now it's $22.63. <laughs> Pre-order. Yeah, that's going to be really neat. Yeah, they they hadn't... Um, I believe Chris Metzen was opening it up, showing it during a lore panel, and it was a beautiful-looking book. Yeah, I can't wait to get that. If I don't get into the beta by then, that will have to satiate me for a while. Is it just an art book, or is there, like, lore in there? No, there's a lot of lore. There is, okay. I was hoping it'd be kind of both, you know, but my fear is that as as I read it, I'm going to hear, like, the voice of Kane reading it, you know? (laughs) With that accent that (laughs) sounds like Sean Connery. That could get a little weird. The whole Book of Kane came into being because when they started 
they started development on Diablo 3, they realized just how much of a mess the lore has has been in the previous two games, and they wanted to clean things up and fix things if it needed fixing, such as, you know, the Dark Wanderer actually being, uh, was it the older or the younger son of, um, of, uh, oh my goodness. I think it was the older son, of, yeah, the older mm-hmm. son of the King, skeleton king, king Leoric, yeah, yeah. hmm yeah, they definitely put more substance to that character for this, which they hadn't had before. But they did keep some of the lore in the book series. They kind of pulled some of that in a little bit. Yeah, I, I need to finish the Sin War. I Sadly, I have it. I have all three books, and I haven't finished it yet. I'm working on book one of Sin War. I'm almost done. I should be done by tomorrow. I've got book two sitting on my shelf waiting for me. Gotta track down three. Real interesting theory by Richard Knack. I liked it. Yeah, it's just the just the whole universe of Diablo in well, I should say Sanctuary is very, very intriguing. I'm really looking forward to the fact that Metzen teased a lot of you know, they're fleshing out the the angels in this game. And I imagine that we're gonna be going to um what was it? Argurus? Argurus? Andrus? The Andrus oh, Council? Yeah, it's, uh, Something like that. What's that? Yeah, I can't pronounce it, but I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that's pretty cool. Because we don't hear a lot, you know, even through the books. I mean, I haven't read all of the books, and it's been a while since I've the ones I've read. You know, you don't hear a lot about the angels. You get all this stuff about, you know, the devils and, you know, the lords of hell and all that, but, um,. You only hear a little bit about one of the angels in the first Sin War book. And the rest is like, who are they? What do they do? What have they been doing? You know? Right. And it's going to be great just to have that fleshed out because we, we've only experienced, you know, a very one sided storytelling in the first two Diablo games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which at the time was all they needed, you know? Mm-hmm. If you think back to. God, 96 when Diablo 1 came out. It was a dungeon crawler. That was that's all you need. Yeah. It had some lore. It had some storylines in there which not every dungeon crawler did at the time. But you know, now all these years later, yeah, they had to do something to sort of connect the dots. Well, I think it also helps to set up the um the future expansions to Diablo 3 as well once you flesh out the storyline uh, because I'm looking at how they have set it up. And originally, as you mentioned, Jen, it was a game, and they put a story to the game. Mm-hmm. And now what they've done is they've taken a more rich story, brought it into a new game, and they want you to kind of discover some of this. Like From what I've been understanding, taking a look at how Metzen was describing the angels versus what they have for the, um, the demons, it more or less it's like, not good versus evil, but order versus chaos. And it seemed like um, a lot of these angels, you wouldn't want to get on their bad side either. And uh, I think that that might play itself out at some point. Um, not saying Diablo's going to turn into, you know, you know, uh, people fighting angels and demons, but there might be some sort of um, mix in there because that's kind of where the heroes and the Nephilim come from are kind of a combination of the the chaos and the order and the good and the bad of both dimensions that are created onto this paradise of sanctuary. It's uh, 
really a, becoming a rich storyline that Chris Metzen and his uh, people are putting together. It's giving a lot of room for future expansions. You know, if you don't hear that much about the angels in D3, maybe there's an expansion where you go and, I don't know, run through some dungeons there, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know how that would work exactly, but I guess they could. And they were saying, like, when they went over it in the, the uh, lore panel, they were talking about the angel of fate, ethereal, that he could see all the future, but he can't see what's going on with mankind, and this drives him nuts. You could be fighting like a, you know, you could be fighting him maybe at some point as he tries to destroy all of humanity because they don't fit, you know. Right. Just a thought. Trying to avoid as many potential spoilers or just the fact that this is somewhat rampant speculation, but um, I saw a poster of Diablo 3. Um, mm -hmm. I, think, I think, Jen, you actually have that poster. Yeah. yeah. And Diablo looks totally different. Very different. Very feminine. Yeah, very much so. And having the poster in front of me, the poster's pretty darn big. Um, it really stands out, you know. It's a slighter form, not as muscular, but still strong. It's got, you know, a more female curved body than Diablo did. The, the giant horns on top of the head are different. Mm -hmm. The face is a little bit more um, contoured, I guess. Yeah, they're, you know... I can see where people think that Diablo's a girl in this um, Diablo 3 game, maybe. Yeah, it could just be part of the fact that in Diablo 2, the Dark Wanderer was, uh, was a male, so obviously he had more masculine features, and could be the fact that uh, Diablo has possessed a female this time around and comes back into the world with a more feminine with feminine features and everything. But that that brings me to my next question. Do you think that we will be facing Diablo at the end of the game? Or do you think we'll be facing Asmodon at the end? And then them saving Diablo for... Yeah, I think um, with regards to uh, that thing, uh, the female version of Diablo, it some, it's leading people to think that uh, kind of Leah gets uh, possessed by Diablo at some point. And it's a, it's a good theory. It might possibly be it. It's not necessarily that... Uh, and I think kind of you got that when you're looking at Asmodon, that the demons of hell aren't necessarily perfectly, you know, um, anthropologic, whatever. Um, men or women. It could be that some of these demons take on the form of what needed for them at the time. Or even who they possess, like taking the, sh the shattered soulstone and shoving it into the forehead in Diablo One. You know, it could have been the male or the female. It happened. The storyline happened to go. It was male, and so they had to kind of adjust what they did, and that's why they brought it in as the Dark Wanderer being the oldest son of King Leoric. Right, because in Diablo Two, he possessed the Dark Wanderer, and the Dark Wanderer stuck the soulstone into his forehead and became Diablo. Mm -hmm. So, I imagine something similar, and I'm I'm really trying to, you know, this is speculation, but I, it's also kind of like spoilery kind of territory, you know, especially if we end up being right. But I have this crazy, crazy notion, and I don't I don't know how this would fly with the community, but 
what if Diablo is not the final boss in the retail launch game? What what if they save Diablo for being, you know, the end-all boss of the final expansion? What, what, what do you think about that? Do you think Asmodon will be the final boss in the retail? It kind of makes sense, um, because, you know, the trailer, that's Asmodon, you know, that's talking to Leah, and... Why would they put so much effort into all of the graphics for that character if he wasn't the big bad? Well, a couple pieces of thing, of information that I remember hearing Chris Metzen talk about, which might lead to that, which is a great idea that you picked up, Mevik, was the fact that he said that like Asmodan currently is like the leader or the lord of hell right now because the prime evils were kicked out. And so he kind of taken that mantle up. So it's possible that his, you know, tr- trying to get uh, the Black Soul, um, Soul Stone, that's like the main driven story point of this. Like that whole en- cinematic they put together was not something that's going to be at the beginning of the story. It's going to be somewhere further along in the game. And it could possibly be that that's kind of the end there and all of a sudden something happened where, you know, as a result of the heroes destroying either the stone or destroying Asmodon, you know, Diablo makes its first appearance, leading you wanting more in the um, future expansion uh, to find out what Diablo up to next. Just the fact that Diablo has come back multiple times, that that makes me wonder if Mephisto and Bale will also make an appearance at some point in the retail or expansions down the line. It's, you know, it's a, it's a crazy thought that I had, I was like, wait, what if Diablo wasn't the final boss in the retail game? Because, you know, to be honest, when Lords of Destruct, when what, Lord of Destruction came out, I was like, oh, well, now Act 5, now Diablo's not the final boss anymore, and it felt, you know, somewhat anticlimactic at that point, because who cares about Bale, you know? This is Diablo, it's not a Bale 2, you know? I wonder if new players that have never played the previous versions but are jumping in now because of the annual pass, I wonder if if they don't see Diablo as a boss, if that's going to be really confusing to them. Yeah, that that's the one thing that makes me think that, you know, that Diablo will be present in the retail game because it won't feel... I mean, it would be quite obvious that, oh, Blizzard wants us to buy the expansion, you know, they didn't sell us the complete game, wham. But just from just from a, I don't know. I, I I just have this feeling that Diablo won't be the final boss. Just I don't know. I'm crazy. No, it's possible they might use the storyline because they've really spent a lot of time explaining on the cinematics how they use that to really tell the story of Diablo that they didn't have didn't really have to do with Diablo one and two. Uh, Diablo one and two, it really was the gameplay that told the story. And now they're adding a traditional dimension to it, and so maybe they don't feel like they have to tie themselves down to Diablo, but more or less, this, but Diablo in some way is interwoven in the storyline that he may not be the boss at the end of this current expansion or current release, but he may be in the future. So rather than, you know, in the future going, okay, we're going to go fight Diablo's brother, well, that's kind of a letdown, as you mentioned. Now it's, uh, you know, we're fighting all these other demons, and then Diablo really is the big one at the end. Kind of a cliffhanger approach. 
we'll have to wait and see, obviously, since mm. Blizzard is keeping everything really close to the chest right now. Just the, just the fact that there were practically no leaks leading up to BlizzCon was amazing. That was amazing. Last year, there were a lot of leaks. Mm-hmm. I think it sounds like they learned a lot about that and how they can it might be able to influence uh, the community by bringing it up in an event like this rather than waiting till before BlizzCon and just leaking out information and having everybody go crazy until they spend all their time at BlizzCon trying to defend it. Instead, they spend all their time at BlizzCon explaining what they put up. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely they definitely know what they're doing this year. Well, with that, I think I think we're I think we're good for episode two. What do you guys think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been uh, speculating for a while now yeah. about you know everything in Diablo. It's probably we, good. We could keep speculating and you know get, go into really crazy territory, but I, I think this is a pretty good link. If we wanted to, <laughs> we probably yeah. could. It would be really neat is to have um, people listening to this right now. What are your crazy speculations? Send them yes. in. We'd love to hear it. We'd love to like roll this into more crazy speculations next show. Yeah. Exactly. What do you think is going to be uh, the bosses coming up? We've heard two of them, Belial and uh, Asmodan. But, you know, is there something else out there in Diablo lore that we haven't seen yet that they might want to bring in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and whether, whether or not that anybody has any ideas of what the first expansion will be. Because... You know, it's it's on the books. They're doing they're doing at least two expansions, if we were to believe that leaked um, product uh, product slate calendar. And that leaves a lot of room for people to kind of go, hmm, what could it be? Mm-hmm. So, thank you for listening to episode dose of the Shattered Soulstone podcast, a Dawnforge production. You can read the show blog or listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. And we're also on Twitter. You can follow the show on Twitter at Shattered Stone, or you can follow any of the hosts individually. Nevik is at Nevik James. Breja is at Breja Priest. And mine is at Queen of Haiku. Well, if Facebook is more your thing, you can find us at facebook.com slash shatteredstone. While there, feel free to leave a comment on our wall or give us the fond, hey, by liking us. <laughs> <laughs> and we would like to thank Medros of Dawn Forge Productions and way too many shows on there to list out right now for hosting Shattered Soulstone. Well, we cannot do the show without you, the listener. So please send in your contributions, questions, and feedback to show at shatteredsoulstone.com and you too could be heard on our show just like Haster and MacGyver were this week please send send stuff in this this show wouldn't exist without our fans so until next time for me for Jen and for Brasia you will find us traveling into the east always the east fresh meat This has been a Dawn Forge production, copyright 2011. Find great podcasts and more at thedawnforge.com.